everyone, welcome in to Plizalt's podcast, filled with glitchy analysis and freezing cold takes so cold that they're boiling hot. Today's episode, we are going over this last week's round of playoffs, the quote-unquote super wildcard weekend. We're also going to be talking about the awards for the NFL this year. We're going to give our predictions as well as who we think should win. And last but not least, we've got a freezing cold take today. So cold, it might be boiling hot. Today's podcast is proudly sponsored by Hungry Howie's Baton Rouge. Check out their website for deals on delivery and carryout. Right now, they've got a large one-topping pizza for carryout, $7.99. Wonderful deal. Thank you so much to Hungry Howie's Baton Rouge. Let's roll right into it, okay? The Super Wild Card Weekend was kind of interesting. I thought there were a couple of insane games. Let's talk about them. The Jacksonville Jaguars came back down 27-0. Trevor Lawrence had four interceptions in the first half. As a matter of fact, Asante Samuel Jr. had more catches than any Jacksonville Jaguar did at halftime. The Jags outscored the Chargers 31-3 from then on out. They won with the last-second field goal, capping it off 31-30. Absolutely insane game. The Jags are going to be playing the Chiefs in this week's round of the playoffs. Next up, we had two dominant wins from the 49ers and the Cowboys. The Cowboys played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the 49ers played the Seattle Seahawks. Now, there's not much to talk about in these games. The Seahawks and the Buccaneers were not really teams that we thought were big playoff opponents to per se, maybe Tom Brady. But outside of that, look, I can't really say much about what it means for both these teams. They're going to face each other in this next round of the playoffs. But more importantly in the NFC, I want to talk about the New York Giants upsetting the Minnesota Vikings. Captain Kirk in primetime strikes again. Down one score with just less than 30 seconds left, fourth and eight. Kirk Cousins decides to throw a three-yard out to TJ Hawkinson, who gets tackled. I don't know what he was thinking, but it's whatever. It's exactly what I thought. I would honestly rather see the Giants go up and play the Eagles than the Vikings go play the 49ers. So next week, we've got Giants versus Eagles. Now, last but not least, we've got two different teams who showed their mortality this past week. The Bills and the Bengals. The Bills played the Dolphins. The Bengals played the Ravens. Now, what were the common themes of both these games? The Ravens and the Dolphins had no starting quarterback. Tua and Lamar were out. The Bengals and the Bills both struggled. Joe Burrow did okay. Josh Allen did pretty good. But their defenses struggled tremendously. Now, I don't know how that's going to play out in this next week because the Bills and the Bengals actually play each other in the divisional. So, I don't know. I guess we'll see whoever's got the stronger offense because their defenses definitely did not show up. And that's it really for this wildcard talk. I didn't really want to get that into it. So now let's talk about our NFL awards. So with these, I'm going to give my prediction on who's going to win it and also my thoughts on who should win it. Okay. So first up, without further ado, executive of the year, Howie Roseman is going to win it and Howie Roseman should win it. Trading for AJ Brown was the trade of the year. He also made extremely underrated trades for C.J. Gardner-Johnson, and he also signed Pro Bowl-level talents in James Bradbury and Hassan Reddick, who actually, I think, made All-Pro second team. I'm not sure about that, but hell of an offseason for the Eagles. Philly has a top-10 defense and a top-5 offense, thanks to Howie Roseman. Not to mention, they drafted Jordan Davis 
and N'Kobe Dean, who I think was the steal of the draft. I don't know. I just, I love the Howie Roseman moves. I didn't really see any other executives that made anywhere close to the moves that he made. So that's who I think is going to win, and that's who I think should win. Moving on, Coach of the Year. Nick Sirianni is going to win, and Doug Peterson should have won. Now, while Nick Sirianni is completely qualified to be Coach of the Year this year, I I just don't know if that is the qualifications. Okay, now, yes, they went from the seventh seed to the one seed. Now, while that is completely and utterly uh, improbable for the Eagles this year, they played a weak schedule, they had a hell of an offseason, and Jalen Hurts got better. I don't know how much it had to do with Nick Sirianni, the coach, but to his credit, he never got in the way of their success, and he is the head coach of a team who went from the seventh seed to the first seed. But Doug Peterson, in my mind, is the coach of the year. The Jags did not get that much better this offseason. They went from the number one overall pick to winning their division, and now even winning a playoff game, but you can't count that because it's only regular season. Whatever. Doug Peterson is the greatest addition by subtraction. Given that the Jaguars, once again, didn't make any major changes, this truly is the greatest coaching replacement in not franchise history, in NFL history. Going from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson took us from the number one seed to winning a division. Incredible. I love what Doug Peterson did with Trevor Lawrence. He made him look infinitely better than he did last year. That's why I think he should win Coach of the Year. Next up, Comeback Player of the Year. Geno Smith is going to win it, and Geno Smith should win it. This is truly one of the most incredible non-injury-related comebacks that I've ever seen in my lifetime. There aren't many quality cases outside of Geno's, except for maybe Saquon Barkley. The issue with Saquon Barkley, though, is that he played 13 games last year. What is he coming back from, like average play? Geno's story is a true American one. Drafted, counted out, sent to the end of the bench, almost out of the league, to bona fide starter and pro bowler. He, in my opinion, is one of the most deserving comeback player of the years in a while. Next up, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Now, I think Chris Olave is going to win, but Garrett Wilson should win. Let me tell you why. Given the absolute putrid, putrid quarterback play that we've seen in New York, the fact that Wilson is going to go be a 1,000-yard receiver is absolute insanity. He had Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, and Mike Waite. I can't believe that we're even having this discussion That, to me, is more impressive than anything that Chris Olave has done this year. I know that he had Andy Dalton as his quarterback, but, I mean, you've got to be serious. You can't be serious. That's got to be way better than anything that the Jets had to offer Garrett Wilson. Now, on the other side of the Jets' ball, we've got Defensive Rookie of the Year. Most locked in that we're going to be here. Sauce Gardner is going to win. Sauce Gardner should win. Entering into the league, the expectations were sky high. And Sauce more than exceeded those expectations. He easily is already not a top five rookie, a top five corner in the league. And he's going up against some of the best wide receiver talent in the NFL. He locks down an entire side of the field like Dion used to do. This is probably the most clear award race that we've got all season long. You can hammer that, take it to the bank, whatever you need to do. Sauce Gardner's winning it. Defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa. Through the back half of this year, Nick Bosa and the 49ers dominated opposing teams. 
and reminded everyone who the best NFL defense was. Bosa absolutely wreaked havoc on quarterbacks, running backs, even wide receivers all season long, and he played the best ball when the 49ers needed him most. When Jimmy Garoppolo went down, Bosa's numbers got better and better, and as competitions in the case fell off like Micah Parsons, Bosa continued to transcend throughout the season, which is what makes him so special, and that is why he is the absolute lock for Defensive Player of the Year. Offensive Player of the Year. Justin Jefferson is going to win. Justin Jefferson should win. Another clear-cut race where one player has dominated the game throughout the entire season. Jefferson's ability to slice through, under, over defenses is like nothing seen by a receiver since Randy Moss. He's on pace to lead the league in receiving every single year for like the next five years. I think he is the best receiver in the game right now. Now, he has broken a ton of Moss's records, which which is so impressive considering that Moss's prime was fully and utterly dedicated to Minnesota. I think this is a clear-cut race. Justin Jefferson, Offensive Player of the Year. Now, MVP. This has been up and down all year long. There's been Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts and even Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins from uh, Michael Irvin. He predicted that Kirk Cousins was going to get in. Uh, Gag me with a spoon. Patrick Mahomes is the MVP. Like LeBron James, Mahomes is the best player in the NFL year in and year out and has been since his first MVP. However, he doesn't have the luxury of being held to the same standard as other great players like Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts are. He has to be truly an undisputed best player in the league throughout the year to even be considered for the conversation. It's all about narratives and storylines. I get it. But Mahomes is the MVP. This is not up for debate. Now, that being said, there were a ton of locks here, okay? So let's reflect on that. Was this a good NFL season? In my opinion, this season was pretty disappointing. But it's for pretty obvious reasons. Offenses this year did not look nearly as buttoned up as they have over the last few years. And here's a list of situations and storylines that were unfavorable to the overall watchability of the NFL. For starters, we had the Arizona Cardinals. D-Hop was suspended for the first six games. Kyler Murray tore his ACL, and while he was playing, he got into fights with Cliff Kingsbury all the time. The offense, which is supposed to be the highlight of the team, never clicked and never looked like it was a cohesive unit. The Los Angeles Rams. There were rumors about Sean McVay retiring, Aaron Donald retiring, Matthew Stafford got hurt, Cooper Cup got hurt. Both put on IR. This is the worst Super Bowl defending team ever. Ever. It's statistically and storyline true. I can't believe that we had to watch that garbage team this year. Baker Mayfield got released from the Panthers, signed, and then two days later played. Started in a game. Horrible. Bears. Another year of missing the playoffs and having an abysmal pass game due to the lack of receiving talent. I don't even know what to say. Justin Fields, he's a great quarterback, but he can't pass the ball in the pocket. His GM said so. He's last in pocket passing. I don't know what to tell you. Get him some help. Packers, the decline of Aaron Rodgers is finally on our hands. The biggest storyline this year was his like acid trip down in South America, and they missed the playoffs. 
to the Lions. They lost to the Lions to miss the playoffs. Horrible. The Panthers, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker. The QB carousel is yet again another wasted season for a pretty talented Carolina team. It cost a coach's job and a team the chance to find their franchise quarterback again. They were in playoff contention in the last week because they just couldn't lose enough games. The Saints, Jameis Winston broke his back and basically ended his career while also bringing Andy Dalton back around to the forefront. Now, any team that brings Andy Dalton in to start those games is making mistakes, making disappointing mistakes, not just for you know the Saints, but for every fan, the fans of the Saints and the fans of the NFL. No disrespect to Andy Dalton. It's just what it is now. The Falcons. Calvin Ridley suspended a year for gambling, which was somehow longer than Deshaun Watson's suspension for apparently sexually assaulting 24 or 26 uh, masseuses. I don't even want to get into that. Marcus Mariota came out. He played well. He fell off. He quit the team. Quit the team. The Buccaneers. Brady's age is finally showing And all anyone talked about this year is his divorce and whether or not he's retiring or leaving or staying, whatever. That's all that was talked about about the Buccaneers. The Commanders. Ron Rivera needs a quarterback so bad. He might be in the playoffs every year if he could just get a game manager to do just slightly better than Carson Wentz. I I feel so bad for Ron Rivera. The Denver Broncos. The finest example of a letdown. Open up Webster's Dictionary and look up the definition of disappointment and guess what you'll see? A giant meme of Russell Wilson saying, Broncos country, let's ride. Enough said. Raiders. Before Josh McDaniels, Derek Carr was a 68% completion, low turnover, three-time Pro Bowler quarterback. Josh McDaniel took Carr and made him look like a shell of himself. And the Raiders who made the playoffs last year are going to be on the on the couch just watching, waiting for the draft this January. Is that what you really wanted to see from the Raiders? The Steelers. Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, at it again, battling for the starting job. Concussions, hurt ankles, interceptions. That's all I saw this year. The Ravens. Lamar has been hurt and is always going to continue to be hurt, and all anyone ever wanted to talk about was his contract and whether or not he should stay or leave or play. The defense has been good, and that's about it. The Titans. Ryan Tannehill has been injured once again, and the offense is nowhere near capable of recovering from losing A.J. Brown. Mix that with an injured O-line, an okay quarterback in Malik Willis, and you've got an average defense, and you've got a whole lot of letdown. The Houston Texans, there's not a single skill player worth keeping on an active roster outside of Brandon Cooks. The Texans might be one of the worst franchises in the world, and it might need one of the biggest talent overhauls in NFL history, thanks to good old Bill O'Brien. The Indianapolis Colts, Matt Ryan starts, Matt Ryan benched. Matt Ryan starts, Matt Ryan benched. Sam Ellinger. Nick Foles, barely Jonathan Taylor, and a whole lot of disappointing Jeff Saturday, all at the expense of poor old Frank Reich. Bleh. The New York Jets. 
Zach Wilson belongs in the XFL for a while. The most frustrating part of the Jets is how good their entire team is, especially the defense. Then Elijah Vera Tucker gets hurt. Brees Hall tears his ACL and is out for the year. And New York has had a horrible hand dealt to them in the quarterback department. Disappointing. The Dolphins. They made the playoffs. But Tua got not one, not two, but possibly three concussions and has shown how brittle he is. He's out and might might end his career. I'm not sure. They lost this past weekend. That's 20 of the 32 teams that have had a depressing year. Now, while it happens almost every year where teams miss the playoffs, I think this year is different because there's not a whole lot of flexibility for quite a few teams. Those teams are the Cardinals, Rams, Panthers, Saints, Falcons, Raiders, Steelers, Texans, and the Colts. You all have more than one major issue to address, which takes away, to some extent, the entertainment value from a lot of these games. I watched almost every single week of NFL football, and I have to say that I was left wanting a whole lot more, guys. But that's my freezing cold take, and this has been Plaisance Podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.